Good morning, everyone. Christina Banfield here, welcoming you back to Reframe Anxiety and Boost Your Sanity. I started this event because I have a lot of curiosity around how we can manage our stressors, especially right now as it's easy to get caught up in the overwhelm and our emotions are at an ultimate high. I believe that part of our human experience is to learn how to shift the overwhelm into momentum for our life. So your journey of propelling your momentum continues today as we expand our awareness of how our mind and our body is part of our path to happiness and connection. Today, we are exploring the use of positive psychology, brain research, and EFT tapping with Phyllis Ginsberg, who's online with us today. And Phyllis has 30 years of experience as a marriage and family therapist and has utilized some of the topics we're going to explore today to give her clients an edge in making lasting and profound changes in their lives. I brought Phyllis on today because I believe it is crucial to recognize how we are communicating with ourselves. So Phyllis will be sharing how to shift our stressful thinking to achieve a sense of clarity, excuse me, a sense of clarity and perhaps boost creativity on how we approach our happiness. So Phyllis, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And go ahead and just open it up and say hello to everyone. (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here and share this information. For some of you, it just might be life-changing. Yes, that is the goal, is to help everyone just align with some more information, spark a little bit of inspiration to live in a light that serves you the best. So, um... I have a few interview questions. I know I sent them to you already. So we're just going to jump right in and say, what is health and happiness? Well, you know, I, I thought about it from the perspective of positive psychology. Uh, Happiness is having positive emotions, positive feelings. And the more that we have those, the happier that in theory we should be. Uh, Health in general is like the absence of disease or illness. But in my work, I have several clients that are living with cancer and are happy. They're going through treatment. They're able to still have a sense of happiness and enjoyment. I have some other clients who are in really good health and they're miserable. So the two don't always have to go together. For me, I think of health as being able to have the energy and vitality to do what I want. And I am most happy when I'm content. Mm. I love that. And so what's that contentment? I'd love to expand on that. What's that contentment look like for you? And um, how could that be described to someone else of trying to describe being content? So to me, content is a calmness. I, I thrive on calm. Stillness is like seeing a still lake just puts me in this place. I can see a picture of it. One of the fondest memories I have is going to the East Coast, to Boston, and looking for the trees, the leaves changing colors. <laughs> and Although we, we missed it like by a week. I think we were a week too early or too late. I don't know. This was several years ago. But the memory of 
seeing these still lakes with with trees around it and the water just being smooth as silk. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's something in that that just resonates with my soul. Mm. Yeah, it's almost a balance of that. Because I know for, for me, it's like, we have this ultimate high of like happiness when something's really joyous, it feels good. And there's that ultimate low too, when something doesn't feel good. And so what I'm kind of hearing you experience is that you found the balance between the two where it's just being present. And that's a version of your happiness is that contentment in the present moment. Yes. And it's true that when we are, anxious, stressed, overwhelmed, we are not in the present moment. What we're really doing is usually thinking about the future and what needs to happen next, what might happen next, what could happen that we don't want to have happen. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So how I'm curious to your perspective or with your knowledge, I'm sure you can expand on what's happening hormonally during those moments of you know, the highs and the lows? Yeah. So first, um, let's start with when you've got thoughts of fear and worry, which that's what produces stress and anxiety. So if you've got stress, stressful thoughts, fear and worry, your body goes into fight or flight. The amygdala in the brain gets triggered. There's a message that says, danger, we need to fight or flee, and your body produces stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. There's other ones too, but those are the main ones. And it's designed so that you can fight or flee, which means that parts of your body, different body systems, your digestion, for one, doesn't need to function at at a high level or at all because... If you don't survive, it doesn't matter if the food you just ate gets digested. And there's a lot of people that have high chronic stress and anxiety that have digestive issues. Why is that? Because your system is not functioning at its best when you're in high stress level. The converse of that is that when you have happier, pleasant thoughts, then you can be calm and relaxed and your body has feel-good hormones like serotonin and dopamine. And when your body has those kinds of hormones, it functions so much better. Your immune system is stronger. You can think more clearly because you're getting more blood flow to the brain. Uh, Memory works better. There's a whole host of things that physiologically change based on your thoughts. Absolutely. So I'm curious for... um... I definitely have experienced like the internal feeling of my hormonals, my hormones changing based off of what's going on up here. (laughs) So I'm curious, what's the difference between serotonin and dopamine? I'm sure other people are wondering the same too. We both know they're happiness hormones, but to what extent, like how do we experience both of those differently? You know, I don't have the answer to that. I, I know that serotonin is part of the precursor to melatonin. So if you're not getting enough sunshine in the morning and, and be able to get 
your serotonin level up high enough that you then can have a deficit of melatonin that allows you to get settled in and get a good night's sleep. I did a tremendous amount of research on sleep and serotonin plays a huge role in your hormonal balance of serotonin and melatonin. And that's in my book, Tired and Hungry No More. Uh, But as far as I haven't done much research on dopamine, I just know that it is a feel-good hormone and our body produces all kinds of wonderful things. I much prefer to provide people with tools that they can use rather than a whole bunch of information that's like, you can go Google that on the internet. Right. So Absolutely. So for those of you who are still curious, <laughs> hit up Google. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> excellent. So um, I feel like we've kind of expanded on how to connect with these moments of happiness of just trying to find that contentment that you described earlier. Um, so how do we learn to reduce these fears that are potentially holding us back in moving forward? And um, the reason I bring that up is because, yes, we have these moments of happiness, but they sometimes come in spurts. And often we might be stuck more in the fear kind of state of mind because that might just be what we've fed more than the happiness moment or the happy moments. Right. So we have these habits of thought. And if your habits of thought are to gravitate towards what I call survival thinking, because we still have that survival brain. So you, you have a tendency and it's not your fault. It's just the way our brain has been designed. So we would survive to be in fear and worry and look for problems and expect things to go wrong, all of that has gotten us to to survive as a a species, right? Humanity is still here because of those things. And we need the fight or flight response and to be able to respond to danger. So that's not all bad, but we were never designed to stay in chronic fight or flight, chronic stress to the extent that a lot of people have. So one of the first things to do is if you're if you know that you are a worrier, uh, somebody who is in fear a lot, thinks the worst case scenario, like what else is going to happen? When's the, the shoe going to drop? And all of those types of things. Just acknowledging where you're at and what you're thinking is can be really powerful. So the first thing is, would be to acknowledge it. The second will be to be able to replace it. And if you don't replace it with something else, you're going to be back where you started from because those are the neural pathways of the thought patterns that are so ingrained. Right, right. So um, in terms of, um, you're saying become aware of it and then replace it. What's that replacement look like? in replacing a fear. Right. So while, while acknowledging a fear is good, you could then look at some questions such as, is this likely to happen? You know, like there's a fear I am going to get hit by a bus. Well, is it likely to happen? Do buses even run where you're, where you're planning on going? 
are you leaving the house? Right. And, and this is not too far fetched with some of the thoughts that people spin a story that gets so out, out of what is realistic for what they're even dealing with. Mm. There's also the real fears of, oh my gosh, am I going to get sick and die because there's this crazy virus going on? Yet, if you don't ever leave your house, the odds of you getting sick and dying from it are pretty slim, like slim to none if you don't interact with another human being. So, right. so questioning how likely is something to happen. The other is to look at what I, and when we, we're going to do some tapping. And when we get into possibilities, it's shifting this whole it's like a paradigm shift from being problem focused to being solution focused. And while doing that, I think it's important to add in from positive psychology, this idea of happiness is something not just to, to be happy for the sake of happy, but be happy because people who are happier, they're healthier. They, they feel better about themselves. They're more content. They're able to get through life a whole lot easier. And, and they do, happiness goes hand in hand with being able to expand your ability to ask questions, be curious, and think broader, right? If, if you're only in fear and worry, it's almost like you got blinders on. And you're not seeing opportunities and all the other things that might give you some relief. Yeah. And I do have a, um, a way of increasing happiness that is really powerful. Can I share that with, with yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so if you were to keep a happiest moment of the day log. So... You're going to write down three to five happiest moments of your day every night. If you committed to doing something like that, what do you think you would be doing all day long? Looking for your happy moments. Yes. <laughs> when you're looking for happy moments, it, it automatically shifts your perspective in your brain instead of looking around for what's going wrong, what you don't like, things that are out of your control. Uh, all of that, what you might call negativity and worry and fear, you're now like, ooh, what what am I going to write in my my log tonight? You know, three three happy moments. Well, today I walked out on the patio and the sun was shining and it's seventy five degrees here today and ah, <laughs> oh, sunshine, fresh air, happy moment going in my log tonight. That's excellent. It's it's very similar to leading with gratitude as well. And I love how you just gave another way of leading with gratitude and it's happiness too. Like happiness can show up in a lot of different ways for different people. Mm -hmm. since we all have different things that spark joy, right? Right. Uh, and the, I wanted to say that the difference between keeping a happiness log versus a gratitude journal 
is that you can be grateful for having a roof over your head. You can be grateful for the food that you have. And there's nothing wrong with that and writing that in a gratitude journal. But when you keep the happiest moment of the day log, you are connecting with yourself. You're connecting with things that make you uniquely happy. doesn't matter if anybody else finds those same you know, feelings of happiness in the things that you do. Yeah. But it it's like it comes from your heart, your soul. It's what makes you you. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge building, connection. Yeah, you're building the connection to yourself. That's mm-hmm. that's the goal. That's what this summit's about is giving those little tips and of how to do that gradually. It doesn't have to be this huge awakening process. It could be just these little steps at a, one at a time that we, we take time to do it. Yes. And in fact, the brain does best with small wins. So if, if you did your happiest moment of the day log, let's say you're going to write three things or five things, two things, it really doesn't matter. But if you do something every night, if you're writing one thing a night, your brain gets like, oh, yeah, that was a great moment. And over time, you will rewire your brain for more happiness. Yeah. You're creating uh, new neural pathways for your happiness. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing how powerful our mind is when we actually give it the opportunity to show up in Mm -hmm. a different way. Um, So speaking of the mind and, and pivoting our, we're not pivoting, but guiding our happiness through action and being aware of that, there's got to be voices in our head that are happening through that process. Um, I also consider that as self-talk, but I'd love to expand into that too. What What is self-talk for those who might not be familiar with it? And um, yeah, uh, how can we, how can this play into feeding the overwhelm too, the cycle that we tend to get into in moments of anxiety of what the self-talk might look like. So self-talk is what we say to ourselves. And a perfect example might be when you made a mistake, what do you say to yourself? Oh my gosh, how did I do that again? I should have known. I should have seen that. How did I send that off with the spelling error? Or how did I not measure this right any kind of disappointment you have in yourself we are like a thousand times more more critical and judgmental of ourselves than anyone else would be and the brain's hearing all this it's listening and that kind of self-talk can be really, I want to say damaging because you can grow up and your parents might have been critical or judgmental, but now you're doing it to yourself. And that's not good. It it will reinforce, I'm not okay. I'm not good enough. I, I can't do anything right. Like we get into that all or nothing thinking, like I always mess up. Nothing ever goes my way. And then we come to these conclusions. See, I told you, 
nothing ever works out. And one failure after another, I can't stay with something. I can't get past this hurdle. So yeah, self-talk is huge. So how do we take that self-talk and start turning it around to propel that momentum of, of positivity that we might have a moment of like, hey, I caught myself saying this. What do I say instead? And how do I keep reinforcing that good behavior of self-talk? <laughs> In my book, Brain Makeover, it's got 52 weekly readings that are only a page or wow. two long. And one of them addresses self-talk, but it's estimated we have 200 to 400 thoughts going on per minute. Like we aren't even aware of all of it. But what I would suggest is once you recognize it, just almost like getting out. Um, you know how in the movies they, they have the thing and they're like, take two, yeah. right? Like stop, take two. So stop, acknowledge like, oh, I, there I was being judgmental and critical of myself. And then think of what would your best friend say to you? What would somebody who really cared about you say to you? What would a mentor say to you? And replace what you said to yourself with those other words. Yeah. So more of like a supportive mindset, something mm -hmm. that would um, motivate you personally. Like, hey, if I heard my mentor say to me, hey, you did a great job today. Don't worry about what you did wrong or think about all the things you did right. Mm -hmm. It might be a way to start shifting that. Um, but that's great. Your book has examples in there as well. And um, I'm sure online there's a whole bunch, but I, I love the ability to just stop and say, okay, wait a minute, reset, yeah, reframe what that, what I just said to myself and then let's keep moving forward. Exactly. And I think once you decide I don't want to beat myself up and just make the decision. I'm not going to contribute to making myself feel bad anymore. Then it gets easier, Absolutely. but it will take some practice. Cause remember, we're always being pulled back to what's familiar. Yeah. We like comfort. I think that's a natural human instinct. And a lot of us are comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, sometimes we don't want to challenge ourselves because it's uncomfortable, but usually the rewards are totally worth it. Yes. Um, so what are some tools that you're currently using? I know you use the EFT tapping uh, with your clients. Could you explain to us what EFT tapping is and why it's effective for um, anxiety and stress particularly? Yes. Yeah, so EFT tapping stands for the Emotional Freedom Technique. If you're not familiar with it, it was pioneered by Dr. Roger Callahan, who developed thought field therapy for mental health professionals. And I actually knew uh, Roger Callahan and his wife over 25 years ago. So I've been doing tapping for that long. Uh, and uh, EFT, the Emotional Freedom Technique, is a simplified version because his was really complex. And so what it does, it's similar to acupuncture, but without needles. So we're freeing stored emotions from the body, calming the fight or flight response. It's great. All this brain research is proving that what happens in the brain during tapping actually does reduce cortisol, 
the stress hormones, adrenaline, calms the amygdala, and gives you a sense of feeling calmer and safer. Mm. So it's super easy to do. Uh, you only have to take two fingers and tap lightly on meridian points. Oh, wow. And I'm, I want to demonstrate it today because I can almost guarantee that by doing tapping, even just around or two or three, like we're going to do today, yeah. uh, you will feel a difference. You will feel calmer. Excellent. Well, let's, um, let's go into it and give it a whirl. I'm, I'm super excited about this. And uh, for those of you watching, this is just another tool that you can be applying um, in your day-to-day. So Phyllis will have a free gift to share with you guys, which you already see on the page. But this is kind of like a bonus free gift along with it. So this is so awesome. So let's jump on it, Phyllis. Okay. So I chose a um, tapping script. When I work with clients, I I go with where they're at in the moment, but because you're here and I'm not engaging uh, with every listener, everyone watching this, uh, I chose a a script that comes from Tired and Hungry No More, and it is called I Have Too Many Responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like you to do is think of having too many responsibilities, too much to do, and See if you can sense where in your body you feel that and give it a number, like from 1 to 10. A 10 would be, I'm super stressed and uncomfortable thinking about this, and it's making me feel anxious or whatever it might be feeling. A 1 is, doesn't bother me a bit. Mm -hmm. Do you have a number? Yeah, I would say like a seven. Okay, yeah. that's significantly high. We got All a right. lot going on. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the first round of tapping is just going to be on acknowledging how we feel. And uh, all you got to do is take two fingers, start where the eyebrow starts on either side of the nose. There you go. And tap lightly. We're not hammering it in. We're just going lightly. Perfect. All right. And you're going to repeat after me. Too many people depend on me. Too many people depend on me. And then move to the side of the eye. My time and my life are not mine. My time and my life are not mine. Under the eye. It's difficult to even think of putting myself first. It's difficult for me to even think putting myself first. Under the nose. I I feel responsible at work and at home. I feel responsible at work and at home. Okay, we're in the chin crease. If you've never done this before, it might look or feel kind of funny or silly, but it works. It's how I was raised. It's how I was raised. Collarbone, and I just use all five fingers. You can't get this wrong. (laughs) I don't know how to live any other way. I don't know how to live any other way. 
Okay, under the arm, which is about four inches under the armpit. Perfect. I am too responsible. I am too responsible. And then top of head. It's not working very well for me. It's not working very well for me. I'll take a big breath. And notice if you feel any, have any feelings, uh, any thoughts happening. You might jot down some thoughts if there's anything that comes to mind. Uh, hmm. Do you feel any different, Christina? I feel like I have a, a more of a like a wow feeling of like awareness of yeah those definitely impact my way of feeling overwhelmed and okay. I, I I think too for me it's acknowledging that kind of gives me the ability to let it go. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful just acknowledging when we're seen, heard, and understood. It is so powerful. So you could now rate yourself again when you think of being uh, having too many responsibilities and see if your number has changed. And everybody else can do that too. Yeah, I would say mine's lesson to like a five. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. So normally if you were still at a five, I would probably do another round or two of tapping and they would be specific statements. The more specific, the more effective, but this also can be highly effective. A lot of people respond really well to possibility statements and that's what we're going to do next. Excellent. So we're doing the same, same thing, starting at the eyebrow, either side. Maybe I don't have to do it all. Maybe I don't have to do it all. Side of the eye. It's hard to imagine who would do what I do. It's hard to imagine who would do what I do. Under the eye. I can't keep up this pace. I can't keep up this pace. Under the nose. Something has to change. Something has to change. Chin. There has to be a better way to live. There has to be a better way to live. Collarbone. Maybe I can delegate some responsibilities. Maybe I can delegate some responsibilities. Underarm. Maybe I can teach others to do what I do. Maybe I can teach others to do what I do. Top ahead. Maybe I can take some time for myself. Maybe I can take some time for myself. Take a deep breath. Yeah, that one I felt more of a shift. That it like definitely felt like it resonates more with mm -hmm. me. And all I did was give you some suggestions of possibilities, mm -hmm. which then allows for your brain to start just being open to possibilities instead of being in survival thinking, survival brain, there's only one way. It's now like, ooh, 
there's all this other stuff out here. I wonder what else there might be. Yeah. So now we're, we're building some new neural pathways. Tapping rewires the brain as well. And so this round, and then we're going to do one more round to anchor things in, okay. uh, starts building new neural pathways. Excellent. So you could rate yourself again, thinking about having too many responsibilities and see where your number is. It's definitely lower. I feel like it's probably a three. Great. All right. So the last round of tapping is anchoring in. It's almost like if you think about affirmations, but they have to be ones that are believable. Otherwise, you're going to be back in stress because if your body does not believe them, <laughs> ready for it. So if any of these uh, don't feel right, just know you might have some more work to do in acknowledging uh, impossibilities. But here we go. All right. I know it's up to me to live my life differently. I know it's up to me to live my life differently. Side of the eye. If it's going to happen, I have to make it happen. If it's going to happen, I have to make it happen. Under the eye. I am, op I am open to figuring out how to live my life. I'm open to figuring out how to live my life. Under the nose. Other people seem to live their lives. Other people seem to live their lives. Chin. It's time to make myself a priority. It's time to make myself a priority. Collarbone. Each day, I could take 30 minutes for myself. Each day, I can take 30 minutes for myself. Underarm. It's a start. It's a start. Top ahead. I am ready. I am ready. Take a big, deep breath. And just notice any thoughts or feelings. See, to me, that feels good. That feels light. You were ready for this. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. <laughs> so now where would you say that your rating is? Uh, I'd say like a two. Yeah. And um, one for me, and I'll share with everyone, is the ability to delegate things out. And that being a possibility is huge, mm. especially with a lot of my projects that I have going on. So that possibility of like, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, oh, that, that makes mm. it feel good. Um, but also that you're ready, saying I'm ready. Almost feels like I gave myself permission to step into that energy to say, do it, mm -hmm. go for it. We freed up a lot of stored energy. I, I actually feel energy when I'm working. And I know that this is a call that, that in a video that people will be tuning into. Uh, and this wasn't just for you. This is for everybody. I, I like felt into what do people need, what would give them the most uh, relief. Absolutely. And so 
this this does not surprise me at all because this is the work I do and and it does happen that quickly that especially if you're ready and you're ready to acknowledge things and you're open um, you can go like this we went from a seven to a two in just a few minutes absolutely and and you know I'd be curious too and because of the uh, positive psychology aspect of what you're applying it felt like to me personally the last two were more on like that possibility spectrum for myself of being more positive. And the first one, it wasn't, it didn't feel as positive for me personally. Now is, is that um, my feeling correct on that? Or how's that first one really work? So the reason why the first one didn't feel as positive is because we were acknowledging what is, we were acknowledging the yucky stuff. Mm. And if you don't acknowledge it, you cannot, tap in, anchor in, pound in uh, possibilities and and affirmations or anything that would anchor in where you're going. You first have to like free the stored emotions that you're holding on to. Mm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think that's a good reminder for us all on this call is that self-work isn't always pretty, right? It's not always this, oh, I'm having this awakening of consciousness and connection with myself and it's all, we're all frolicking. Um, there's moments where it gets a little bit, you're, you're peeling back those layers, the years of emotions that are being stored. And sometimes it gets a little bit messy, but be patient with yourself through the process um, and keep, keep working through it at your pace. But that work is definitely crucial to connecting. And I, just like you got to experience, it doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't have to be horrendous. Uh, You didn't fall apart, right? Like this was pretty easy and tame. We also didn't get into any specific situations to you that might be emotionally charged. Absolutely. But it can be as quick as just a couple of rounds of tapping of acknowledging and uh, then it's done. Yeah. So simple too. That's what I love Mm -hmm. about it. Um, All right. So that was one really great tool and we have our free gifts also on um, our page. So could you explain what those free gifts are and like, and how that it could be best utilized? Yeah, so I've got a, a copy here of Cope with Stress and Overwhelm in Five Minutes or Less. I'm all about being practical and efficient. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, this actually has five different ways that you could begin to see what helps you to be calmer and handle stress and overwhelm quickly. And once you you try these or try one or two and see what works for you, which ones you like the best, uh, I like to say the time to, to figure out how to use the fire hose isn't when there's a fire. And so if you have some tools in your toolkit or you have some tools in your tool shed, I happen to have a tool shed, this is <laughs> this is just another another group of tools that you could draw upon when you're feeling like you need to be able to bring it down so that you can be calmer, get in touch with some clarity, get some answers to what is next, what do you need to do, 
and then put them into action, make some some like deliberate decisions and not just be in reactive mode, but take, take a few moments to get yourself centered enough to figure out what do I want to say to my, my boss or my child or in this email or, or maybe even what do I say to myself that would be better? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Back to the self-talk and aligning with the happiness right there. Mm-hmm. And in a quick, efficient way, we're all about that right now, I'm sure, with all of the, not just chaos, but you know, working from home and juggling maybe families. Um, I, I think if people have tools that are tangible and quick and something easily applicable, like it sounds like this free gift, it becomes a little bit more realistic to connect with yourself. Yes. So thank you, Phyllis, for sharing that. And something I love to do at the end of interviews is to ask what inspires you, whether it's in your work or your life, and just share with us what sparks your joy. To me, there is nothing more rewarding than having a positive impact on someone's life. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm finding, you know, anyone who's in the health and wellness space or working with individuals that are um, going through hard times or even just you're amplifying their life of connecting with themselves. It's always very um, empowering, I think, as a practitioner or a coach to see someone excel and be more connected to something that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you, Phyllis, for joining us. Um, I really appreciate your insights around health and happiness and these awesome tools that are just so easily um, applicable to our lives. But for those of you guys watching, or for those of you watching, please join us on our Facebook group, Propeller Momentum, so we can connect and be a community together through this process. I want to make sure we're supporting you through the process as much as we can and connecting with yourself. And it's always help more helpful to do that together, I feel like. Even if we're not all practitioners, it's just nice to have a sense of community and support. So make sure you're joining us, and we will see you tomorrow. Much love.